Just before Nuhum Kulibali comes to speak God's word, uh, the scripture will be read by George Rapatsky. Please be seated. Reading from Ruth, the book of Ruth, chapter 1. The first reading is from verse 1 to 22. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Kilian. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech and Naomi's husband died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Mahlon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back with you to the people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons. Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Then reading from Ruth chapter 4, verse 13 through to 22. 
So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron the father of Ram. Ram the father of Amminadab. Amminadab the father of Hashon. Hashon the father of Salmon. Salmon the father of Boaz. Boaz the father of Obed. Obed the father of Jesse. And Jesse the father of David. Bonjour tout le monde. Comment allez-vous? We're going to preach in French today. <laughs> it's such an honor for me to be here this morning as God's donkey to speak. Uh, the amazing thing about God is sometimes He uses donkeys. Please, let me be your donkey today. Brothers and sisters, Rexdale Alliance Church, I have the duty on behalf of my people of Mali to thank you. Uh, I'm not here today to speak about mission. <clears throat> but I do know that in the 70s, uh, if my memory is correct, according to the history of your church, our church, because I'm a uh, part of this congregation, uh, you sent to us in the country of Timbuktu your first missionary, uh, and Sandra Scott, in the country of Mali. And I know... Also in 95, you sent another young lady. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> and that young lady, Karen, became my wife. Please keep on sending them to us. <laughs> but, brothers and sisters, God has honored your prayers and your finances by bringing men and women in Mali to know the living God that you have introduced to us. What you have sold is coming back to you in a harvest today in my modest person. On, on behalf of Malian people, thank you, Rexdale Alliance Church. And I'm going to sing from this, uh, this hymn book. The Lord has blessed me in four languages. Uh, English is my fourth language. Just, just bear with my accent. But the Holy Spirit will give you just what you need and also forget about the rest. Uh, Bamara is my trade language. Mienka is my tri tribal language. And French is our official language because we're colonized by the French people. Bamara is the trade national language in Mali that missionaries pick up and translate the Bible into. And the Alliance Church missionaries gave us a hymn book. And I believe that Sandra Scott did a lot of work by putting this thing together. Thank you so much by giving us this hymn book in Bamara. 
I'm going to sing a song in which we say, uh, Hallelujah, God exists, God is present. You know, brothers and sisters, preachers of the word of God that we are, we are called to preach the whole counsel of God. When Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, the last moment he was spending with his disciples, before he went to be with his father, he sent out his disciples, the apostles, and said, Go to all the world, make all the nation my disciple. And he added this, You teach them to obey everything I have commanded. Brothers and sisters, this morning, Part of that, everything he has commanded is suffering, trial. Just to let us know that our Christian walk is not going to be just about wealth, all about wealth and health. Uh, it's going to be part of this, it's going to be trial. It's very hard. And uh, because of that trial, sometimes God seems to be absent. He's hidden, He's invisible. But is he really absent? No. And therefore in this song, we learn that hallelujah. Although he seemed to be invisible, God is present. Yes, if someone tells you that God is not here, tell him hallelujah. He exists. He lives. In time of death, in time of trial, in time of sickness, Alan, God is present. And I know our preaching will be from the book of Ruth. Uh, Naomi and Ruth, two beautiful mothers. Happy Mother's Day. And we're going to learn about suffering from their stories. And brothers and sisters, understand that God is here in your suffering. Yes, Alan, you have asked an African preacher to speak to us this morning. And our problem sometimes, instead of having a clock at the back, we have a calendar. <laughs> but don't worry. It's a long text, but I will try to, clock, to cling to your clock here. Hallelujah, God is here. Hallelujah, God exists. My songs disappear. You better show up.
George, thank you very much for the beautiful reading of this passage. Very long text. Brothers and sisters, God invisible presence in time of trials. As I just mentioned to you in the introduction, trials, affliction will be part of our Christian journey. From this text that our brother just read for us, Ruth, Naomi, they suffer a lot. In a land called Judah, where the people of God were living, they were promised by God, the living God, that when they get to Canaan, honey and milk will be flowing. Honey and milk will be flowing. But from this text, we read that in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. First verse. In the land of Judah, where honey and milk were supposed to flow, what happened? Famine. Therefore, our first point today will be this. God will allow famine to happen in your life, in my Christian walk. Ruth tells us that famine will happen in our Christian walk. Famine happened. In 1985, I remember in my country of Mali, we went through a severe famine. The famine was so severe, brothers and sisters, there were some families who had to get rid of their daughter, $10. If you're rich enough to get $10, you can get their daughter. It was so severe. Here in Canada, we're thankful to God in the United States, in the West. Uh, the physical famine is rare here. It's quite the opposite. In most of the time here, people are trying to lose weight. Spend millions and billions of dollars losing weight. You know why? In the ancient time of Israel, and in many parts of the world, including Mali, this country would depend on, on their own produce in the land. They have to go through famines from time to time. Here, how many people here drink coffee? Tim Horton, double-double, right? Do Canada, does Canada produce coffee here? What does it mean? Countries like Canada, the state, the food we eat, most of them, is important to be in our value mart, to be in our loblaws. But in countries like Israel at that time, in Mali, we don't have loblaws. Our loblaws have to be the small who you have to use yourself. But you know what? In that context, famine is frequent. Here, well, we are wealthy enough, <laughs> by God's grace, to bring food from all every place to put in our stores here. But brothers and sisters, the problem that Naomi and her husband and her two sons went through, the problem, the root of the problem was famine. This famine happened in 
the village called Bethlehem. And do you know what Bethlehem stands for? The meaning of Bethlehem is the house of bread. When the house of bread ran out of bread, famine happened. Brothers and sisters, in your Christian walk, your Bethlehem sometimes will run out of bread. But it's not the first time that famine happened in the Bible. In Genesis, we read Abraham in chapter 12. Abraham was called by God to be a missionary. In the same chapter 12, famine hit Abraham and he had to go to Egypt. Isaac, Jacob, do you remember? Jacob and his son have to go to Egypt because of famine. In 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, Elijah and the widow Sarah had to go through famine. In the Old and New Testament, the prodigal son, in Luke chapter 15, it was famine which brought, which brought him back home. In Matthew 24, one of the signs of Jesus Christ's second return, Jesus predicts famine. There will be famine in many places. Brother, but what is the cause of famine? Famine has different causes. There's natural cause. There are natural causes to famine. Drought. Don't have enough rainfall. Most of the time that's the case for us in Mali. Hail. We have a lot of hail today, yesterday. If it had to continue like that during harvest time, famine will hit. Natural cause for famine. Human cause, war. A country can be invaded by war and then there's no time to farm. Famine will hit. But you know what? There's another important cause for famine. Divine or spiritual cause when God often uses famine as a means of punishment. Of his people when they sin against him and his world. Well, in Leviticus chapter 26, 18 to 20, God says this. If after all this you will not listen to me, I will punish you for your sin seven times over. I will break down your stubborn pride and make the sky above you like iron and the ground beneath you like bronze. Your strength will be spent in vain. Because your soil will not yield its crop, nor will the trees of the land yield fruit. When they sin, God can send famine. And you know, the story of Naomi and the roof took place in a spiritual decay. It was the time of Judges. To understand what was happening in the time of Judges, Go back to Judges chapter 25, 25, uh, verse 21, chapter 21, verse 25. Just the last verse of Judges. It's written like this. In those days Israel had no king, and everyone did as he saw fit. (laughs) This was the spiritual context of Judges. Everyone... Did as he saw fit. Would you like to live in a society like that? When everybody said, well, it's the right thing to... <laughs> this was the time when God sent a famine to the land. In Africa, we have elephant. <laughs> Not in my country. My country is too dry for elephant. 
But in Kenya, in every part of Africa, South Africa area, I believe they have elephant. Actually, in Ivory Coast, uh, a neighbor country to Mali, they have a lot of elephant. In Africa, we learn that when two elephants are fighting each other, the grass on which they're fighting pay the price. They're so heavy for the, for, 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 for the grass and the little trees around them. When the leadership of judges, the elders, the priests, forgot about God, and they, wicked, they, they, they live in a wicked way, they brought on the whole land the consequences of sin. And most of the time, people, ordinary people, have to pay the big price. And that's where my belief that the story of Naomi and her husband takes place. It's not written anywhere that they were in a higher position in the land in Bethlehem. But as consequences of sin, God sends this famine. Guess what? Ordinary people have to pay the price. When the famine hit, Elimelech, God is king. His wife, Naomi, pleasant one, and their son, <laughs> bizarre name, left the house of bread to go where? To Moab. Moab was a country of enemy, an enemy to Israel. They leave the house of God. They left the land of God to go to the enemy country of God people for solution. And when they got there, one thing happened. Elimelech died. Naomi's husband died. Widows, it's hard to lose a husband. When Naomi's husband died, she hoped that her two sons would live long enough to give her better, better future. But it didn't take long for Naomi to learn that yes, the two sons also died without any child. Now, she was left alone. It was in that condition that, wow, life becomes very, very difficult. We have no human word to describe the, time, the, 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 the pain, the suffering, the trial of this lady, humanly speaking. But in that time, when she was suffering in that way, in verse 6, she learned that God has visited the land of bread, the household bread with a good harvest time. And because of that good news that she learned, she resolved to go back to his house, to Israel, to, Bez to Judah. When she decided to go back, her two daughters-in-law decided to go back with her. Verse 9, they wept. Verse 14, they wept again. They wept again. In the end, Orpah decided to stay. But Ruth clung to, to Naomi. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. They returned home. When they got home in chapter in verse 22, underline verse 22, verse 22 in my understanding is a turning point in all this story. Verse 22 says this, Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabites, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Underline the barley harvest beginning. 
In Israel at that time, the barley harvest was the beginning of a series of harvests. The barley harvest would come in the month of April. After the barley harvest would be the wheat harvest in June. After the wheat harvest would be the fruit harvest in October. Now, she came back at the beginning of the series of harvests in the land. And alongside those harvest time, Ruth and Naomi's life will start to get a new beginning. In chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, Ruth finally will meet a man called Boaz. Out of their meaning, they'll get married. Out of their marriage life, in chapter 4, starting from verse 13 to the end, a son was born. The son was born as a sign of a new life that God gave. Brothers and sisters, this story is long. But there are spiritual lessons for you and for me this morning. The first spiritual lesson that you and I can take home today from this story is this. God's sovereignty will shine. In and through your trials. God is sovereign. In his sovereignty he will allow. Famine in your life. But in that famine. Let him be God in it. Well Job captures this very well. You remember Job he went through his own. Famine time. And one day, he lost his wealth, his children. And that was not enough. He lost his health as well. He went crazy. But in that sovereignty time, that God, Job recognized that God was sovereign. He's sovereign in what he does. Job says this. In verse 1, Job 1, 20 to 22. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will, I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this, And we know... That in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who has been called according to His purpose. God is sovereign. When He sent His famine to you, to me, what shall we do? What shall you do? Second point. Let you and me obey God's word in our time of trials. What is amazing about this story of Ruth and Naomi? Nowhere in the whole books of Ruth, God appeared to Ruth or to Naomi in a dream. He never appeared to them, what, through a prophet says, that says the Lord. No. He never appeared to them through an angel. Well, there was time when Abraham had to go through, through famine. God will appear to him and say, go to Egypt. Nothing of this. 
God seemed to be invisible. Because He didn't appear in dream. He didn't appear in vision. He didn't appear by an angel. Yet, He was still there. By and through His Word. It was God's Word. It was God's Word that touched Ruth's heart. To say, you know what? Naomi, wherever you go, I will go. Naomi couldn't touch her roof hard like this. <laughs> the proof is Orpah went back home. But Naomi came back home with roof because God, in his hidden way, touched roof hard. I said, you know what? This lady, although she's suffering a lot, I could see the living God in her life. I know in Africa, mother-in-law with daughter-in-law is fight. I don't know about here. To have a daughter-in-law following her mother-in-law like this, it had to be God. Although he didn't appear in a vision, guess what? This is God. It was God. Word written in the book of Leviticus. According to that law, when a man die and leave a widow without a children, without a child, a sibling, a kinsman of that diseased man has to marry this widow. And that's the law of God as they apply here with Boaz. God was present through his law. When Ruth went to, to glean the fruit in the, the harvest in the field, it was applying God's law, God's word. When God taught the people of Israel, when you are wealthy enough, when you are harvesting, don't glean everything. Leave some part of it for the poor. It was that law that Boaz was applying. God was present through his word. And they obey. In their witnesses. And God showed up. It was God who blessed the union of Boaz with Ruth to give his daughter, to, to give his son. Brothers and sisters, but notice that this solution started when they came back to the land of God. They ran to, to Moab, thinking God would give a solution there. No, it never happened there. In your trial, in my trial, when you and I try to go and get the solution of Moab, we just worsening the problem. Where is your Moab today in your trial? Come back out of Moab. Come back to the land of bread where God has visited. That's where God will give you a solution. I will never forget in 1985, one of the young men in, uh, in, in Mali... We had just attended a youth camp organized by the Alliance Church. Guess what? After the youth camp, this young man had a chicken crying out of his belly. He's a Christian. And you know what? Panic. They got together so that they can pray. When they were about to pray, one of the men said, no, prayer will not work here. They started to go, you go and see this witchcraft in that town. You go and see this witch doctor in every place. They went in their Moab. Finally trying to get the solution with witchcraft doctor. 
It never worked. One day, one Sunday evening, I could see two light coming. My father is a pastor. Finally, this man who was an elder too in our Alliance Church, he came to confess his sin. That he thought he can get the solution outside the church, outside the house of God, outside the word of God. It couldn't work. You know what? That night, my father and other elder of the church came together. They prayed the whole night. And this man was set free from his chicken. Today, he's working for World Vision. Brother and sister, you're finding that you're going through. Divorce is not the solution. Drug and alcohol is not going to fix it. You see, by every means, these two ladies would have got into prostitution. To try to fix their problem. My sister, prostitution is not the solution. Obeying God's word by waiting on him is the solution. And by doing that, brothers and sisters, God will show up by giving you a new life. When the son who was born to Bruce and Naomi, and that son, you know what? Finally, in his line, the greatest king of Israel was born, David. And the greatest king of the whole world was born out of that line, Jesus Christ. Where? In Bethlehem, the same town. At a time when all the whole world was in darkness, especially the land of Israel, colonized by the Romans. When, spiritually speaking, the people of Israel were in hunger, spiritually speaking, God showed up at the same, in the same town through the, house, through the house of Naomi. And my last point will be this. Brothers and sisters, God's plan extends beyond your problem and my trials. I learned this through our dogs growing up. I noticed dog when is the dog is standing up on his her two or his four feet, it's short. But when the dog is sitting, it's even taller. The point is this, brother and sister, in your trials, what God can see sitting on his throne, you and I standing on our feet, we can see. You're trying to see what is happening in all this trial you're going through. On your, st- on your feet, trying to have a solution on your feet. Brother and sister, from this story, let God, sitting on his throne, taller than your feet, deal with it. Naomi, Ruth, didn't live long enough to realize that the greatest king of kings was born out of their story. You, at the eschaton, when Jesus Christ came back, when everything is said and done, you will get the gleam, you will get the understanding of all what's happening to you. Before that day, brothers and sisters, obey the word of God. The new life is happening. God will be there. He's there. Just obey the word that you have received. The Lord bless you and keep you in your trials. And when everything is said and done, the son of David who also has to go through his trials, remember he wept? Weep in your trial, my friend. (laughs) I hear some people where you're spiritual enough, you don't have to weep. I tell you, no, it's not true. Spiritual life doesn't make you less human. Jesus, the shortest verse in the whole Bible is this. John 11, 35. What is it, brother? Jesus wept. If Jesus wept, Weep. 
my friend, but in weeping, wait on him by applying, obeying his word. And you know what? In the end, as the Lord, he came back to life in him, because he's alive, you and I can face today and tomorrow in his presence. God bless you all. For my benediction, just like to reflect on what my brother knew him was talking about today and famine and that famine can appear in many different ways in Canada it tends to be invisible yet it is very much there um, if you come around to the neighborhood connections in the food bank you will all see that famine does exist with the economic downturn that we are in right now, too, I would pray that you would look to your neighbors and see how they're doing. And with this difficult time, sometimes pride gets in the way of the difficulties of famine. Also in famine, we do have spiritual famine within ourselves and globally. It's going on. But at the same time, we look to a story like Jesus feeding the 5,000, and we realize that through the power and the love of Jesus, famine in any form is no challenge. And that through Jesus, we can feed the multitude, whether it be physically or spiritually. And I would just like to draw on Pastor, Wayne's, uh, sorry, Pastor Allen's song today leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus. Again, leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus. Everything is possible through Jesus. And my blessing for you today is that you remember daily, not just today, but daily, that he is with you now and forevermore, and that he will never leave you. So no matter how difficult times may be, how difficult times might look, look inside your heart and you'll find our Lord and Savior. Go in his name. Amen.